Hello and welcome to Carl's Interviews in podcast form. This is an audio extraction of the live interviews that I've conducted with some absolutely fantastic guests from all walks of life with a common theme of being truly inspiring and I cannot wait for you to hear their story. I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to another of Carl's interviews. Today, I have the pleasure of talking to Vic Owens, aka the Happy Runner. Vic, an ultra runner, um, a barefoot champion, and I'm actually delighted to say I am going to be her first Instagram Live as well, which makes me feel very special. So, Vic, I've got to ask, what got you into not only running, but the crazy level of challenges um, and successes? I mean, you look at your fastest known time for the Monarch's Way that you've achieved I mean it must have started somewhere yeah so that was um in 2016 um I asked my friend if he fancied doing a half marathon um and that kind of came out of nowhere I'd done a few race for lives um but I was not a runner on any level and neither was he um he was actually like my PT um I was like should we should we run and he was like I don't run Vic and I was like, I know, but shall we? Because I didn't want to do it on my own. And I thought, you know, if I've got my PT by my side, everything will be fine. Um, and we did. We trained for it, like, properly to the book and um, properly trained for it. And we did it. And it wasn't awful. And then we thought, well, we best we best do a marathon. We trained to it to the book. And it was awful. I absolutely hated it. <laughs> um, so I thought, okay, like, I don't – I knew I didn't like marathon distance. I knew I didn't like road running. And someone said to me – well, you should try the trails. So I did. And I did a trail marathon. And I was like, this is it. But when it finished, I was like, I don't want it to finish. So then someone was like, oh, you need to try ultras. And yeah, it went from there. So like, we did the marathon beginning of the year. Um, by the summer, I was doing my first ultra. By the end of the year, I'd done a 200 mile ultra. So it kind of just blew up. <laughs> So your first marathon, your first marathon you actually did was that the Manchester Marathon, was it? Yes, yeah. Yeah, and then you then went on to do the Excalibur Marathon. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah, that was my first trail marathon. Which, to try to put that in terms, that is, it's got a five and a half thousand feet climb, which is the equivalent of climbing higher than Ben Nevis. So, considering that was your first trail marathon. Yeah. So that was actually um, a guy from. Um, the running club that I was with when I first started running with and he had said to me you need to try a tra- trail running he said oh I'm, I'm doing a trail marathon you'll love it bit come and do it um, and he said and you'll probably have to walk most of it and I was thinking no I can run <laughs> um, <laughs> and I walked most of it and yes. I think it took me double the time that it taken me to do the road marathon yeah. but I loved it I loved every single minute of it um, I ate loads I made loads of friends um, it was amazing. I just knew that was the right path for me. Uh, and it's really interesting is it? because there's some people that really love sticking with the roadside, but there are others that fall in love with the trail and also the ultra, because it's just the scenery, the camaraderie, the people around, and clearly the all-you-can-eat buffet as you're going around the running as well. <laughs> yeah, and the fact that people, um, not even at checkpoints, but the, a person you might run with is usually like, oh, do you want to share my food? I mean, you do not get that in a road marathon, do you? Yeah. Nobody offers you their grubby crisp then. No. So, <laughs> bonus. So, talk to me about, because your first ultra was the rack race across Hadrian's Wall, wasn't it? 
Yeah, that's right. So um, I signed up to that with my friend Craig, who had run the marathon with. Um, yeah. And we were like, right, we'll do this because it was quite a commercial ultra. And it kind of like it looked like they were going to hold our hand every step of the way, which rat race do. They're really good at doing that and supporting their runners. And that's what we wanted. Um, and when I did it, I loved it. Um, I, I really, really enjoyed it. And there was like there was like um, a sports massage person at like checkpoints and they, they were giving you food like it was a party. It was amazing. I got a beer at like um, the big checkpoint at the middle. Um, and yeah, you literally it's like a one massive party. But afterwards, I thought I, I feel like I've run an ultra, but I don't feel like the person that I've. I've been reading about these ultra runners that I've been reading about that are kind of out there on their own for hours. I was like, that, that never happened to me. I don't feel like I suffered. <laughs> and I kind of felt like I'd missed something. Um, so that's when um, I decided that I was going to do Offers Dyke, um, which I still, I still say is my first real ultra. So I'm going to come on to that in a moment. I've just got to cover a few bits you just covered there. The, the first one, the way you're talking there is, you know, it's, there's masseuse, there's beer, there's other bits. People would be thinking, oh, that sounds fantastic. You kind of left out the 69 miles of undulating terrain in between that, though. Yeah. Um, so it's a funny thing with ultras is, like, you finish them. And slowly, all the bad memories just seep away and you don't remember them. You're left with all these awesome memories, which makes you sign up for another ultra. But when you're doing them, there are points where you're like, I am never running another ultra ever again. <laughs> um, but that slowly fades. That slowly fades. Um, but yes, there was there was a lot of miles, especially for a first ultra. But I just loved it. It was amazing. And so talk to me about the King Offers run there, the diet race. That's 185 miles. Well, 185 miles if you navigate correctly. That's, I think that's more <laughs> to the point, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Funny. So I've done it twice. And each time I've clocked 200.2 miles each time. And I swear the second time I never got lost. Um, but I, yeah, Richard, who runs that race, just says that I always get my money's worth. And he's right. <laughs> And so what made you run it twice then? Oh, I absolutely adore this route, um, which is really funny because it ends in Pristatin, which is kind of right on my doorstep. And I have a rule that I never pay for a route that I can train on because what's the point? Um, but there's something really special about offers. Um, it is just it's got everything. It's got all 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 the climbs, all the different bits of terrain. Um I just, I, I can't explain it. I just love it. And I'm determined that every time Richard puts the offers on, I will be at the start line. Um, so hopefully that'll be next year again. And the second time you ran it, I think, was it three hours you knocked off your PB? Yeah. Um, Which is, so that's, that's pretty <laughs> remarkable, really. <laughs> but yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, I, I knew I was going to be a little bit faster because sort of like first time round, I was not an experienced ultra runner I still don't think I really am an experienced ultra runner but I'd kind of picked up <laughs> I'd picked up a few more sort of tricks of the trade along the way um and I had worked on things that I knew I needed to work on um but yeah I, I just love that room I just love it but, I mean it's a really interesting concept you're saying about the experience of an ultra runner because realistically over 2017 you've gone from marathon to trail marathon to ultra marathon um you've done what you call a commercial ultra which I didn't even realize was the thing and then this rugged ultra but what were you learning as you were going through this process then um I suppose you 
So the, the first thing that you experience when you do a real ultra is um, massive hallucination spells. So you need to learn like how to deal with them. You need to learn to understand that even when you're hallucinating, you need to know it's not real, which can be really hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, so little things like that and also knowing what I need to wear at night to keep warm, how much I need to eat. Um, how much I don't need to eat because I like to eat the food they give you because it's like free food, right? <laughs> so um, I'm learning that overeating doesn't make me any faster um, and how little sleep I can go on in relation to miles and just all those things add up um, and they just, yeah, but probably just added up to me being a little bit quicker. So these are the terms we're dealing with. You deem three hours shaved off a PB is a little bit quicker. It is okay. a long distance, to be <laughs> fair. You know, if I shaved off my marathon, I'd be well chuffed. But <laughs> yeah, in fairness, I'd be pretty remarkable if you did. I think we'd be having a different type of conversation. <laughs> so you finished 2017. You've gone on this incredible journey. Um, what did 2018 hold for you then? What were you looking at there? Because you mixed it up a bit in 2018 as well, didn't you? Um, yeah. So I think I started 2018 was a big year for me. Um, <laughs> Technically, it was the year that I feel is my worst year of um, running. So I don't feel in 2018, I kind of ran well for me, in a sense. I didn't enjoy a lot of my races and a lot of them, I was finding I had foot problems. My fueling was wrong. I just felt I was missing something. And I was reading every book and every blog and I was like why is this not working for me I did their training plan like you know why aren't I as good as them what's going on um and yeah my my big high of that year was I did loads of um I ultra Great Britain races which are a fantastic yes. team um Wayne Wayne does them and I met that was the year that I met so many people that have interlocked and interchanged in my races and helped and so that was a great year for meeting other ultra runners but for me as a runner it was a year where I felt I was stuck um, and then in I think it was May I ran the Chester 100 um, and I ran alongside Mark um, who I thought was a little bit crazy back then he was always in sandals and banging on about being a vegan um, and I was like oh gosh <laughs> he's lovely but he's crazy um, and uh, he ran quite a few miles with me um, and I was saying, oh, I'm having these lows and I've got these hot spots. And he was like, you need to be barefoot and you need to be vegan. I was like, I really don't, do I? <laughs> and I was then munching on like a block of cheddar cheese and an apple, which was my favorite ultra snack. And he said to me after this, go home and just take two weeks off. Don't have any dairy for two weeks. And I was like, what? Crazy man. Um, and he was banging on about Luna sandals. And I was like, mm, I, I just can't do it. And I was in um, quite high very high shoes very big cushioning um and at the end of that run I, I remember taking them off and just knowing I was never ever ever going to put them back on um and these were like the shoes that made me faster and did everything right for me but no I was never going to put them back on my feet were in such a state that I was angry at myself I think like the biggest thing that I've learned with running is how you need to respect your body and my feet I had not respected them so when we got home, those shoes went in the bin. That was it. Closed right. the lid. Um, but now I've got no shoes, which was a bit of a problem. <laughs> um, so Mark actually told me he was gifting me a pair of Luna sandals, but they were coming from America, so I had to wait. 
So in the two weeks I waited for them, I did my no dairy thing and it was horrific. I hated it. Um, but about day 13, just at the end of the two weeks, I started feeling okay. The headaches were going. Um, I started feeling normal. And then I'd been walking the dogs barefoot because I had no shoes. <laughs> um, and that felt okay as well. And then when the Lunas came, I started wearing them. I started researching. I was sticking with the vegan diet. That seemed to be working for me. And everything kind of changed that year. So I kind of became um, a zero drop runner, um, shoe-wise, and a vegan, plant-based. Um, yeah, so things completely changed that year. It is interesting that in a year, and especially you refer to the Chester 100 race, where you didn't perform, you didn't feel it, you still finished the second female. So it's again about that bar and perspective sometimes. But it's interesting, isn't it, the barefoot piece, cause, and, and we'll come on to that shortly because I know it's a big, big thing now as well. But it's kind of, I've seen some peaks of interest, especially every time someone picks up it. It's Chris McDougall, isn't it, the book that said about the barefoot runner and all of it as well and it's interesting and then the same with the vegan piece as well that well, technically you were halfway there surely if you had an apple and cheese you're 50% <laughs> vegan <laughs> well yeah but we won't mention all the meat I was eating obviously at that point. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah it, it is a massive thing um, so yeah um, I think you know you were, you were saying like I still came second female for me placing and stats have never mattered for me, I need to enjoy a run, and I did not enjoy that Chester 100 because my, my feet were so sore, my body was falling apart, um, I was crashing all the time with my fueling, and that isn't, that isn't why I ran. Um, so, yeah, I, I got a trophy at the end of it, but I was like, I didn't enjoy that. So I would have been happier to come last, but feel awesome. Um, so yeah, that that's why I need I needed to change it up. So I did. It, it, it's interesting. Well, it almost feels like it's sort of slightly ironic that when you did the marathon on the road, well, you, you didn't enjoy that. Need need to be more scenic. So you go onto the trails. You do the rat race, but that was a bit commercial. You then go, <laughs> uh, and then when you do start really before, and also I found that a bit too easy. It didn't feel like a proper ultra. You then go on and you thrash yourself, but you didn't enjoy it because it wasn't quite right and not happy with the place. So it's we, we're kind of seeing your journey into the happy runner, aren't we? Where you're almost yeah. finding yourself. Yeah, that, yeah, it's a really good way of putting it, yeah. So 2019, you obviously decided, listen, the ultras, everything else, I've not thrashed myself enough yet. So you started ramping up again, didn't you? Did I? <laughs> well, I think you could argue it. And then literally over the course of these next couple of years, I was kind of doing a bit of research looking at it. So obviously the 19 in 19, the um, indoor relay, um, the ultra around the garden. Let's start to talk about some of those just craziness I suppose would be the apt way to describe that okay so I think when when lockdown came I think kind of runners either went two way they decided to watch a lot of Netflix and eat a lot of ice cream which was really tempting I'm going to be honest or they decided to make the most of it and I kind of decided to make the most of it um and I did and one of the things I did was um the Mark Cobain event which was um an ultra in the garden mm -hmm. So as I kind of tidied up my back garden a bit because I wanted to put it live on a live stream and I did. I, I ran around my back garden. I think I think I did 68 miles. Have you, have you yes. got that? I'm really 2,720 laps. There you go. Um, of my back garden. Now, we've got quite a big plot of land because we live in a farmhouse. But I decided it, um, Mark Cobain had said it had to be under a certain amount of space. 
So I decided that was my back garden, which isn't big at all. It's basically just where we have the barbecue and, you know, the kids play. So, yeah, I did a lot of running around that 68 miles. Um, strangely enough, I, I quite enjoyed that. Um, like, I'm not surprised. <laughs> so before this, I had um, an issue with loops. I wasn't mentally strong with loops. So I thought, well, this this is going to be great training. And it was great training. And also the pros of running around your back garden is my husband, Rob, um, had to cook for me. <laughs> Mostly that was pot noodle and beans on toast. But... Um, I got cooked for and I got a coffee whenever I asked for it. So to be fair, it, it may be the best place to do an ultra. You get really looked after. <laughs> I love the simplicity of that, that it took you having to run a 68 mile ultra to then be pleased with receiving a cup of coffee and a pot noodle. That's a luxury. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's interesting to talk about the mental strength piece as well, because um, on not the same scale at all, but having done sort of marathon on driveway and things like that, it really does. It, it takes you to a different place, doesn't it? Because you've got to be mentally tougher because it, it just doesn't have the excitement or interest that a normal run or race does. Yeah, and I th as well with being so close to home, at any point you can stop, can't you? And just be like, do you know yeah. what? I'm done now. The bath is there. It's two seconds away. Um, but yeah, keeping going till you've you've done what you've you've set out to do um, and just not giving in at any point. It, it can be harder closer to home. And, um, you became a team captain for the indoor relay as well. So do you want to share people what the, the background initiative behind that was and um, what made you get involved with it? Yeah, so the indoor relay um, was brought about by uh, Mike Seaman at Raccoon Events. Um, so he's really well known for, for running the running show, isn't he? Um, and that was basically when lockdown came and all kind of like all the marathons got postponed, like London Marathon, all that money um, that would have been raised for charity was kind of put on hold and char charities were just kind of left in the lurch in a sense. You know, there was a lot of setbacks. They weren't going to get the fundraising in um, that they would normally get. So that was kind of like a big motivator to do something to raise money for charities um, and to unite people. So obviously a lot of us were stuck at home or confined, yeah. weren't they? Um, stuck in our house, having to run around our back garden to get an ultra in, all that kind of thing. And um, so we wanted to sort of bring people together um, on a completely different level. So that's when the indoor relay was born. Um, and yeah, it, it, we, we did the uh, slots, um, people would run for an hour and we'd be like this. So a team captain would be there while they were running. So this was normally on their treadmill, around their back garden, in their front room. We had someone run around a table. Um, somebody, um, yeah, their bedroom, literally any, any place in the house or the garden it had to be in the boundaries of their home. Yes. Um, so yeah, and, and that, that was amazing. I was really fortunate to be able to get involved in that um, and have made some lifetime friends from that. It was the thing I really enjoyed about it was that it was obviously lots of fun, but doing it for a really important cause. I love the days going in between. So the, the first one I did, we managed to get Mike in an ice bath in his tux. And then I managed to get the, I think the third one I did with Laura, she ended up pouring a bucket of sourdough mix over her head. At the same time, I was doing it with a bucket of custard. But we handed over to Fiona Oaks. So the first time either of us were talking to her, we just covered head to in this horrid glue. Yeah, it was an amazing mix of the well-known awesome people and 
the gal next door who's also awesome and everyone came together and they were on one level you know there was absolutely one level um and we were all just running for the same reason and connecting for the same reason um it it was really special but i love the fact as well that as lockdowns continued you've maintained this i suppose fierce competition with yourself and also defiance of the restrictions of lockdown so um, I'm rolling a little bit now. The turn of this year, you decide to have an easy, gentle January. Yeah. So, um, okay. So the Mark Cobain does the double accumulator, which is pretty famous. A lot of people know about. Um, so you sort of run on the first day of the month. You run one mile. On the second day, you run the sec- two miles. So by the end of January, on the 31st day, you would be running 31 miles. Um, but he kind of and I, I wanted to take part in this because I'm training for a race this year that is mostly on hard ground and my feet are not conditioned for that because I kind of only run on the trails. So I thought, what a great way to build it up. I'll be doing one mile, then two mile and three mile. That sounds like a really good, easy way to sort of condition my feet to road running. But then Mark, like he always does, just threw a spanner in the works and said, who fancies running it? forwards and backwards at the same time so you'd be running the distance from each side of the month in one run which turned out to be 32 miles every single day of January and I thought that loads of people would be up for it there are some pretty crazy ultra runners in his group I'm like yes I'm in it and I did I went out the first day and did it and I was the only one that posted 32 miles and I was like maybe a few people have forgotten maybe they're being shy maybe they're being cautious I think it was like the fourth or fifth day I was like I'm the only one everyone is posting five miles and I'm posting 32 (laughs) um (laughs) but yeah so this continued throughout January um and then sort of near the end again Mark threw a spanner in the works and he said obviously it's not compulsory Vic but do you not think you should do extra on the last day to make round it up to a a thousand miles so I did I did 40 miles on the last day and so that that totaled a thousand miles for the month of January (laughs) so is his plan then as time continues is keep suggesting the most ridiculous ideas he can (laughs) with a hope you'll go all right I'll give that a go yeah, probably. He's probably got a list. He's going to take them off. How to break thick. Nope, that one didn't work. What's next? Yeah, I think that, or he's talking to ultra runners going, nobody would be this stupid, surely not. Vic, I've got an idea for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, sorry, go on. I was going to say, so obviously you completed that, but what I, we've seen your journey now, and it's obviously a nod back to the barefoot style. You've been really properly embracing barefoot running, haven't you? Can you I talk have, a little yeah. bit about that? Yeah. So I um, don't know if people, well, people obviously have seen by now that follow me um, that I've been doing a lot of barefoot running recently. It's something that I've, I've done a lot since uh, wearing the barefoot shoes, but I'd say 80% of my running has always been in the shoes. Um, and then I do sort of little runs barefoot. I haven't really done any over the winter, to be fair, because I do not like cold feet. <laughs> um, but about five weeks ago, I got a, a tag on Instagram from someone saying, oh, um, the barefoot daddy is doing a 5k barefoot run. Do you fancy joining him? And I had a little look. Um, and so this guy called Ben, who um, decided he wanted to try a bit of barefoot running, kind of just put it out there. Doesn't, does anyone want to do a 5k with me on Thursday? And he kind of got a bit of an overwhelming response, um, but he probably wasn't expecting. Um, a lot of people were interested and 
he was like, right, let's go with it. Um, so became the Barefoot Crew. Um, so basically, um, myself, Ben, Damien and Case have been sort of forefront in the Barefoot Crew. Um, and that is encouraging people to go completely barefoot. Um, and we come together every Thursday. And it's not just um, the UK. We've had people all over the world, like Japan, um, India, America, Tokyo, like we've absolutely blown away. So what, you know, has just started has been going, who fancies a bit of barefooting has just gone boom, <laughs> skyrocket. And um, this is the fifth week. It's been the fifth week today. Um, and we've been blown away with the amount of people that have just embraced barefooting. Um, you don't have to just go out and run a 5K, but that is kind of like the ultimate goal. Um, yeah. But yeah, people have been going out for 1K, one mile, a bit of walking, a bit of running. Um, it's Yeah, it's just been absolutely massive. And what's the plan then? What are you hoping by encouraging more people to experience barefooting that they'll get from it? Um, so have you ever barefooted before? Yeah. I have, but only on grass and beaches and things like that. I've not done it on road or track. Yeah, so, like, the best barefooting is done on, on grass and beaches and natural. Um, so it's all about grounding and connecting, you know, with the earth. A lot of people do like to um, barefoot on pavements or track, and that that's perfectly fine. Everyone's got their own preference. But I think for me personally, um, it's the connection with my surroundings and the ground. And I think that's very in line with ultra running as well. Um, so, yeah connect grounding um there's massive scientific elements behind that isn't it how it helps anxiety mental health um physical health um so that that's a massive thing for me um, personally but just running barefoot um having that connection being able to listen to my feet is just amazing like when i run in my vibram five fingers i'm like i'm so in tune with my feet and my body and then when I run barefoot, I'm like, I hate my shoes. I am not in tune with my body at all. So it's, a, it's an immense difference. And unless you do it and experience it, there's just no way of, like, understanding. It's kind of like, you, I don't know if you asked your parents when you were little, but when you're little and you're like, Mom, how am I going to know that I love someone, that I'm in love? And your mum and dad are just like, you know, you just know. <laughs> it's like that barefooting you have to do it and then you just you just know what I'm talking about it's interesting when you talk about listening to your feet I know exactly what you mean in terms of what you were talking about but I just had this vision of you hallucinating your feet are now talking back <laughs> to you as you're running on an ultra <laughs> sometimes my feet are the only company on an ultra <laughs> very often um but yeah honestly um our feet do talk to us um, so we've got senses in our feet, haven't we? Um, that feedback to our brain. Um, when we put shoes on with thick cushioning, there is a massive block. So if this is our foot and this, this is our cushioning, there's all that that's just between us and the ground and it's blocking the ground out. And it, it does, that's what shoes are meant to do, cushion and protect us. Um, but, you know, if we think back to it, years ago or we look at um other countries who are who naturally barefoot um it, it's amazing the scientific research and <clears throat> the things that you can discover and learn that just isn't open to us um it, it's really something you kind of need to dive into for yourself but the great thing about um the barefoot crew is kind of like we're a team of completely differently experienced people so 
a lot of people say to me, I can never go out and do what you do. You know, you run for hours. That's clearly why you're able to barefoot. But it's it's not true. So we've got like Ben, like I said, when he arranged the, the first barefoot in, um, that was, you know, his first barefoot 5K. Um, Damien, he's new to barefooting and running just in general. Um, so, and then we've got Case, who's you probably heard of. He's the guy who uh, went barefoot over the three peaks. Uh, he's a little bit cool. Um, and he actually lived a whole year barefoot um, to train for that, which I'm still pretty blown away by. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a collective of people um, helping other people and encouraging other people that have got, you know, like, experience and also none and still learning so we can really connect and engage with everyone um it, it's it's just amazing uh, what have you found because obviously for you, you with the the vibram you you're used to that style of running but for those that have had heavy cushion what's been their feedback then have you had people that have had good and bad experiences with it or has it largely been positive? yeah so, so it's really important um it's the same if if you're transitioning to, to barefoot shoes, you know, it's recommended that you do it slowly and gradually. So um, with like this week, we had like a bit of a campaign. We had the five toes, five tags, and we asked everyone to sort of tag five friends. And we kind of said, look, don't go out and just run a barefoot 5K if you've never barefooted before. Listen to your body. And we had great feedback. Some people just went and did, you know, 10 minutes of walking. Some people went for that 5K, fair play to them. And they listened to their body and they were like, I'm fine with this. Um, other people went for a little walk, did a 1K run. Um, and we've had so much positive feedback. Um, but obviously some people have been like, do you know what? I got a thorn in my toe and that was not fun. <laughs> and that happens. Some people are like, I hit a rock and I didn't like it. But I think I know how to overcome that next time. And it is learning. Um, if you think, for example, the first time you went out and ran a marathon, how many days was it before you were like able to walk down the stairs without hurting? Oh, and I'm, you're still running now, right? It didn't yeah. put you off. So it's just learning, isn't it? Um, our feet are like our legs in that sense. They're going to adapt and get stronger. Shoes have kind of let our feet be lazy. Um, so, yeah, when I, I know that when I first started barefoot running, I was like, oh, gosh, my feet are sore. Um, but then also my legs are sore after an ultra. So that kind of makes sense, right, that my feet are going to be sore too. Um, so it's all about conditioning and building it and listening to your body. Don't go out and do something because someone else is doing it. That's, that's not what life is about, is it? Listen to your body, respond to it, because barefooting is about responding to your body. It's, it's the whole embodiment of that. So go with that. And, and the Barefoot Crew um, are there to support and help people and point them in the right direction. So we've got a massive community of people just thriving and giving each other tips and communicating. So it's, it's really, really special. And I've got to ask, when that person said to you about the fact that they hit a rock as they were running and they didn't like that, um, was the advice that you gave, don't stand on rocks then, or was it a little bit more profound than that? I was like, dude, don't hit rocks. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> but do you know what? Um, barefoot running becomes really technical, so you kind of learn to always look before you, and that becomes natural and normal. So if you kind of think about when you go for a night run and you put that head torch on, you don't look up at the sky, do you? You look exactly where you're going, and it becomes like that with barefoot running. If, if you're running along a beach or grassy terrain, 
you're a lot more likely to be able to be a bit more free with where you're looking. But if you're going to go technical, rocky and all that, then you've got to be on the ball. So it's, it's just learning and experience. That makes sense. So there's a couple of bits I'd like to talk about as well as um, the first one is as a fellow owner of a Spaniel, um, your experiences in Canny Cross and how you got into that. <laughs> yeah. So my Bella is, um, she's not as energetic now as she used to be, um, but she's a, she's a Springer Spaniel and uh, she doesn't walk. And when I get um, the, the Canny Cross belt and bungee out, it's like the excitement is just pure. So I try not to go up um, mountains with her because when we come down, I'm like, this is not a good idea if we're <laughs> attached. <laughs> um <laughs> But, yeah, I, I love taking Bella out on lots of runs. And I, I've done some canny cross races. I don't know if you've done any. Um, no. Oh, it, that is an experience. So at the start, um, they obviously put you um, in, like, a stage stages because, you know, letting off 200 dogs is not a good idea. Um, so you're, like, with 20, 20 people starts. But it's, like, um, I can't even explain it. All the dogs are barking and howling. And it, it's kind of like it um but Bella's faster than me so that's a bit of a problem when she's trying to drag me along and I'm like whoa I'm trying to look where I'm going <laughs> um but yeah canny crossing is is a lot of fun <laughs> I, I'm slightly less sure because um the problem I've got with my spaniel I mean she's nearly 10 but for as long as we've had her she's not quite right in the head so there's genuine concern I mean she trips people up. She stops randomly. Or even I remember we were, to, um, when I was in the army, one of the PTIs took her out for a run and she took his legs out and put him in hospital with an injury. So I, I worry whether maybe she's quite the right dog for this. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think you should give it a go and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Film the entire event just for people's amusement. Yeah, stay away from woods where squirrels are. That's, um, right. that's always going to end up in injury. Yeah, and, and be prepared for that stopping because um, as long as you're tall enough to go over your dog, you're going to be fine. But if you're not, you're going to have issues. So those, those are my top tips. Perfect. What, what more could I ask for? <laughs> and then the other bit you do as well is with, obviously, your brother Alexander, and you go and do guide running as well. So how did you sort of, you and him, get into that together? And what was it like the first time? And how has that grown and developed? Okay, so um, when Alexander came to live with me, um that was kind of when it all started I was like well dude Saturday's a park run day so I hope you're prepared <laughs> and I took him for a park run um and we kind of walked most of it um but then when Alexander started wanting to run it um we like I knew that I had to start learning how to be a guide runner because he's got severe um, brain damage mm -hmm. so um he needs to sort of be um guided <laughs> Um, so he would he would go anywhere on a track. You know, if he saw someone eating a lolly, he's heading in that direction. Yeah. Um, and, but when Alexander starts running, he also um, it, it the adrenaline rush that goes through him helps clear his mind. So he becomes very vocal and he becomes able to communicate better um, and to have conversations. So um, that's really special as well. Um, but yeah, guide running is is amazing um alexander did the london marathon yeah so i was able to guide run him through that and that was such an experience um alexander's got no understanding of time or mileage <clears throat> so for him it was just um 
we're just going over there and we're just going over there um and he just accepts that he's he's got no um quarry with that and then it would be like over there we might get a nice volley that's always a bonus um or let's run to that tree so we do it like that we've got a local um little cycle track that goes around um by the high school by the leisure center and he likes running on that he only likes to road run which is gutting because i hate road running <laughs> but when we go out it's he's run so we go wherever he wants to go it's really interesting actually not too dissimilarly to you you just run to places eat and then keep running on i see a bit of a, a, a commonality there but for yeah. the, the what are some of the considerations when you're running as a guide runner then because i imagine obviously it's i suppose quite mentally taxing as well because you've got to make sure you, you're looking after someone aren't you whilst also yeah. take care so i always have to make sure that um basically i'm alexander's eyes um i have to make sure there's nothing in front of him that's going to hurt him um he d- he can't crossroads safely so i have to be on the ball with things like that um and also have to make sure that i put myself between him and maybe um just normal member of the public um alexander can be really friendly as well which people don't always appreciate and because he looks physically normal and he's out running people don't often realize the situation so that can be tricky um i do find it useful to wear like a guide running top that usually gives a nice indication to people But when Alexander gets really excited, he sprints off um like a mountain goat and that can be really tricky. And it's normally when he sees a pretty girl or something and he wants to show off um and he leaves me for dust. <laughs> so those are the fun bits. <laughs> um but also I have to carry all his gear for him so he doesn't want to wear a bag or anything like that. Um so I carry everything that he needs. Um which is fine when we go out for a 5k um but when when we did the London marathon um I had to wear like a normal rucksack um with like change of clothes and all the, like any personal care he needed and things like that um and food and drink um so yeah and it it it's hard it can be a challenge but the reward completely outweighs all the hard work Oh, definitely. I, I think that's come across in what you said there, and just how much enjoyment he gets. I've got to ask, and if obviously he does speed up, if he sees an attractive woman, were you worried in the London Marathon that as the miles crept on, he might see someone in the crowd? Yeah, um, I was. Thankfully, um, he was tired by halfway, but he was not bothered about any girls. <laughs> um but when we're going for a 5k it can be a little bit more tricky um especially because when where we run round the track it tends to be like the local teenage hangout place um so that can be tricky um and also if he sees anyone drop litter he yells at them like very angry um if he sees an older person he says hi granddad which some people can find offensive um he comes up with all sorts of quirky things um so that can be challenging but normally 9 times out of 10 people are very kind um and considerate which which is nice it makes them happy no it's a lovely thing and fantastic you get to share and experience that with them as well but you're really keen for the partners to be starting back up again then yes i am and he has been asking as well um because he doesn't like running around our garden so <laughs> So before we come on to kind of what's next for 2021 I just wonder if there's any other advice for people that are trying to make that either step up to their first marathon or step up to the first ultra what would you give them advice apart from clearly going barefoot <laughs> Um yeah um I'd say be kind to yourself you know don't compare yourself to anyone else and um, when it comes to 
ultra running or increasing distances of any kind um just throw pace out the window and just enjoy it you can build your pace up once you've got the miles under your belt um and fuel is super important so make sure you you know what fuel you're going to use what's going to work for you um and try it out um make sure you know how to eat when you run um yes. yeah so a lot of us do like 5k 10k even a half marathon we we don't have to eat and then we go out for longer and we're like oh we're not used to eating my body doesn't like this i feel sick i need to run in a bush so you need to practice all those things um which came very naturally for me <laughs> it seems such an obvious thing there doesn't it but interesting we were on doing the clubhouse thing yesterday and joe pavers talked about her first marathon and she said she's never before had to drink on the run and eat on the run and he said it completely through her and she was and it's such a simple thing but it's it's right isn't it and don't try anything yeah. new because the last thing you want to do is your run stopped for nature as opposed to you getting tired yeah absolutely and you know if we find ourselves in that position where we haven't got the fuel and someone goes oh try this it's great for me it might not be great for you so you really <laughs> have, that is one thing you need to get to a t is the fuel and then what is next then? You talk about other challenges coming up. What's the rest of 2021 got in store for you? Um, so I'm doing a 24-hour race um, in June with Mike Seaman, um, who is, is everyone knows. Um, and then the, the ultimate... You're going to try and get him to do is manage his 100 miles in 24. Is that what you're trying to get this, through? This, this is the aim. This Fantastic. is the goal. Um, yes. So, yeah. Because he's um, tried it twice, hasn't he, so far? Yeah, it's it's going to be fun. And I, I, to be fair, like I see him training and I'm starting to get worried he's going to leave me for dust. Um, Susie okay. Chan has been training him, hasn't she? And I'm like, yes. oh, my days, this man's going to leave me for dust. He'll probably be like, come on, Vic, hurry up. <laughs> um, he's, so, well, he's joining um, Susie Shaw for the whole 19 hours of her Samaritan's piece as well. In I think we're doing that about May 18th or something. So he's going to be hopefully fairly well prepared. So I think now more than ever, he stands a really good chance of doing yeah. it. Yeah, I, I think he will. Um, I'm not. I'm not going to let him stop. He's not going to let me stop. Um, we're just going to live off Vimto and Wan bars. It's going to be a party. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the ultimate goal this year is um, in October, which is Long Last, which is a Mark Cobain event. Um, I've got a few of his virtual medals, but I think it's time I got a proper medal. Um, so yeah, that's going to be October. That's 200 miles from um, Hollyhead in Anglesey to Cardiff and that's all hard surface like a, a road cycle track and um, hence the lots of training on road this year so i better contact him sooner rather than later to suggest a way we can make it harder for you then he suggests <laughs> it and you'll just agree to it i'm pretty sure this one's hard enough to be fair <laughs> <laughs> and I suppose the other bit then, it, when you're sort of building up and sort of getting ready for it, how much of it is physical for you and how much is kind of getting yourself in the right mindset to prepare for it as well? Yeah, so with with training miles-wise, I don't tend to run, <clears throat> unless I'm doing an event, I don't tend to log big distances. Okay. Um, yeah, I, tend, I, I like fresh legs. Um, so I kind of, I don't have a training plan. If I want to run, I run. If I don't, I don't. Um, so mile mile wise, I'm kind of just take it to feel. Mentally, I do a lot of planning, as in like I will recce the route. So this year will be spent recceing the route with my friend Gordon, who's running it as well. Um, but not only do I recce the route, but I go over it on the map. I Google map it. I write down every 
turn and burst like oh I could speak for five minutes in there there's a wall to stop there and it's in my head before I get to it and all those connections as you connect to the route as you go through it pushes you onto the next connection yeah. so I do a lot of like prep work for any race that is big and um, so that is that is probably my most planning when it comes to doing a big route is like the mental prep for it it's really interesting actually because obviously when people are doing marathons often they'll set little this and say i've got to make it for six miles or 10 miles or 13 but if you've wrecked the route and as you say gone into that level of detail being able to transfer that into the terrain as well must be quite useful knowing the parts you're aiming for yeah i mean sometimes it's not nice knowing what's going to come i must admit <laughs> um and i always have um a thing that i never recce the last section of a of a run never i never do it until the race and that is kind of like my home stretch it's fresh territory it's brand new i know i'm going there that's all i need to know um but other than that i spend a lot of time going over the route so i know it like the back of my hand so obviously maps google maps yet still twice you managed to do those extra 15.2 <laughs> miles i'm telling you they need to re-measure this route <laughs> <laughs> So last question then, for people wanting to see what else you're up to, get into um, barefooting and watch your journey, what's the best way of um, finding out more about you and what you're up to? I'm on Instagram as the happy runner NW as in North Wales. I'm also on Twitter, which I'm pretty useless at, but for some, some reason it's, it's going okay. I okay. still crack in Twitter and I'm also on Facebook as the happy runner. Um, so yeah, those three channels I'm always about, or if you're local, you'll see me on a local trail, no doubt. And are you going to the running show this year as well, are you? Yes, I'm going to, and I'll be speaking, um, you know, on the old stage with Bad Boy yes. Running. Yeah. So um, you can catch me there and say hello. Fantastic. Well, Vic, thank you very much, Steve. I really enjoyed it. And I'm not going to commit to anything because there's too many people watching, but I might give Barefoot Running a go at some stage just to try it. Yay. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. No worries. Have a lovely evening. I'll speak soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. And that concludes another interview for the day. Thank you to each and every one of you for listening. And as ever, if you have any feedback, send it through to me at my Instagram handle of fighting underscore the underscore dadbod. Enjoy the rest of your day.